Get to the church, blind! Get to the church, blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. Hey, church planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And you are tuning in for Hardcore Church Planning. Peyton, why don't you introduce our guest? Well, our guest is somebody who has personally inspired me. We're talking to Kevin Izell, the CEO of North American Mission Board, otherwise known as NAM. Kevin, welcome on board. Hey, well, thanks. Appreciate the opportunity. Looking forward to spending some time with you. All right. So I'm going to try to get through this without getting myself fired because you <laughs> are my boss. And uh, I've never had a boss on here before. I was about to say I've never had a boss, but I've had a boss. But, uh, you know, interesting story. The way that I started working for NAM was um, nobody else would have me. But uh, I was sitting in a meeting uh, where Nam was blessing church planners in LA County. And there was a guy named Rick Curtis. He's a West region mobilizer for Nam. And he was talking about, uh, the CEO. I didn't know who you were at the time. He said, Hey, there's, uh, he said, I want to let you know. And he was talking to a room full of planners spread throughout LA County. He said, I want to let you know that Kevin prays for you guys, man. He has a passion for planning. And he literally said that you have a dossier. It's like the secret notebook that, right. uh, that you carry around, but you have a dossier. It's got each city profile on it right. and that you carry this thing around and you pray for these cities that you could tell. I, I, he says that you correct people sometimes in meetings. No, there's 35 planners in that city, but that is your passion. And so I remember sitting in that meeting, hearing that. And at that time, just thinking, you know, I would love to work with those guys. If that's the passion, if they're praying for cities every day at the top of their leadership, man, I want to be involved with those guys. So um, just on a personal note, man, you inspired me. And uh, tell us a little bit. Well, hey, I'll hand over to Pete here. Pete, take it away, man. Well, thanks for letting me get in my one question before you take over. And <laughs> no, just, hey, let's yeah. be sure. You get two questions at I the do. beginning. I, I get kind of like being married, Pete. I get I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so one of the questions we always like to start out with, Kevin, just for our listeners who uh, may not know you, tell us your story of how you came to faith and how you got started working with church planners. Sure. But I just want to always tell folks it's not a real entertaining one. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I, I was saved at a very young age uh, at nine. And my parents went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We'd drive by on Monday or Tuesday to see if anybody was there. I mean, we were just always there. Um, when I was um, when I was 15, it was back years and years ago, back there in bus ministries. And I had a bus route when I was 15. They dropped me off at a particular place with a bag of double bubble. And I would walk around inviting kids to ride my bus the next day. And, and uh, um, you know, that... I, I just always had a uh, a yearning to do and to serve the Lord in, in some ways. I was I, I was kind of a weird kid in high school. I, mean, I, I passed out the chick tracks and uh, I had some, uh, you know, 
peculiar ways about myself when I was a, a, a kid. I actually, I, I wanted to be a youth minister. And so I actually went to college uh, um, and then seminary thinking I was going to be a youth minister. And then God redirected me um, and to be a pastor. And uh, that's a unique story, but I don't know if you want to go into that much detail. Yeah, no, that's, that's great, man. Um, you know, it's, it's really interesting. What, what was your, uh, what was your, your kind of road into, into planting churches? Cause you, you have a pastoral background. Yeah. I, I started pastor. My very first church was, uh, in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, they voted me in seven to zero. And, uh, uh, then I, then I pastored in uh, Tennessee and Illinois. And I, you know, quite honestly, I always wanted to be a church planner and, and, um, never had the opportunity. I, I had, I applied to be a church planner uh, right out of seminary and uh, with a noonday association real close here to Alpharetta. And they picked the other guy. Uh, the process was a little different. It is now as far as going through assessments and having multiple opportunities. Uh, and I just never. So when I went, when I did get the opportunity to pastor, uh, I was determined to plant churches. And so, uh, and really in every church I've pastored, we have, we We've been more like a sending church or mother church, planning churches. And uh, I just always wanted to. Uh, I've been more of a church planner cheerleader than I am. I'm not, I'm no church planning expert. I just uh, am, I just love church planners, encourage, want to provide the very best we can for church planners. And, uh, and that's the reason, honestly, I felt like, you know, when I, six years ago, when I came to NAM, um, I love pastoring and, and really, really enjoy. Uh, the pastoral part, just uh, uh, connecting with people. I, I enjoyed the pastoring more than I did the preaching. And so when I come to Nam, I've just kind of translated that over to church planners. Or my, uh, they are the ones I try to to pastor in a, in a way. Hmm. And uh, I felt like coming to Nam, I could, you know, I, I could uh, exponentially plant more churches, more churches than I could if I stayed in my singular church. And I could get other churches to hopefully mobilize other churches to come alongside and, and see uh, the difference that planning can make. Yeah. That's um, that's been pretty cool to see, like you'll meet with pastors all over the country and kind of give them a vision for church planning because a lot of pastors don't, you know, I, I think the Southern Baptists really kind of have, uh, they just know, right. A lot of people don't know the history. I'm a new Southern, Baptist. I always tell people I'm not a good Southern Baptist, I'm a new Southern Baptist, right? Like I'm learning the history, but the fact that there were a lot of people don't realize this, that you have the international mission board, which is now led by David Platt. And you've got North American mission board, which is kind of like the domestic mission or church planning. I mean, sin relief is involved in that, but a lot of people, you know, they may not realize that church planning is kind of a passion within the Southern Baptist, but you have really kind of taken it on yourself to, um, to move around and meet with pastors. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what's happening, you know, as you're moving around, you're meeting with pastors. What are some of the cool things that you're getting to see? Yeah. The, what's really exciting is, is just to see the synergy developing and especially in some of the different cities. The, the, what we came up with was 32 send cities, a send with a D um, of areas of focus. We plant churches all over North America, but, but we're focusing on, on some of the cities and, and because uh, 85% of North America live in or around cities, and that's where we have typically not done very well as Southern Baptists. Southern Baptists have done well in the South, but not 
well the Northeast, Midwest, West, and Canada. So, as I say, most of the Southern Baptists are in the ACC and the SEC. It's the other, it's the other conferences we're having challenges with. And so, um, what's really been exciting is, is like yesterday, I was in Washington, D.C., looking at a particular model of a church, uh, uh, with a pastor, a planner from Denver and a, a pastor from Texas. And, and just seeing the synergy and the heartbeat of a pastor in Texas that has such a yearning to come alongside a pastor in, in Denver and another pastor in Florida come alongside a pastor in Denver to make something happen. This church started 18 months ago and they run, you know, 550, 600 outside of Denver. And, and, and to see how just as excited the pastor in Florida and Texas are, uh, that, that, that's what makes it all, all, all worth, all worthwhile. And of course, um, that, that there's stories like that happening just all over. You know, if you talk about a Dan Coleman up in Augusta, Maine, or, or, uh, you know, be it Denver or LA or San Diego, or Boston, where hmm. great things are happening in Boston. Oh, yeah. And, um, uh, that, that's the fun of it for me. And, and uh, seeing these guys, uh, what, what we're trying to do is where NAM comes alongside churches. We, NAM, doesn't plant churches as much as we mobilize churches to plant churches. And we come alongside those churches and, and, and uh, tell pastors all the time, look, you can plant one by yourself, but, but hopefully with our help, you could plant three or five or 10 in a five year period. And uh, where we can provide the assessments and we can provide the training and we can provide, uh, you know, some uh, local care for that planner, be the hands and feet of ascending church in a particular city. So um, just are, really trying to get the system organized in a way where uh, it makes it easy to hit that easy button or people mm. to engage in the cities. What, what are some of the, uh, the issues that you see or the questions that come up with uh, established churches when they're thinking about, you know, planting out, like what are, what are their big hurdles that they run into that you guys are able to, to help them with? Yeah, that's a great question. And I try to tell planners, hey, look, be patient with some of these established churches um, who have been a part of the SBC for years and years and years. Because when they hear church planting, quite honestly, in the South, they just hear church split. You know, they, they have visions of, hmm. a, of a disgruntled youth minister going to the other side of town, taking 20 key people with them. And they think of bad things. And so what we've had to do, we've come up with catch the vision tours. Um and we have one in every of our sin cities. Uh, and then I'd say just not just one, we have multiples, but we get pastors on site and they see and hear the heart of some of the very best planners we have. And they catch a vision for uh, that city. And that's what's been exciting to see a church. Uh, you know, we had recently had a church in Tennessee uh, <laughs> commit to just want to give money to a city. They said, we don't really have a planner, but we don't want to give you know, X amount of money to a, a city for the next five years. And you guys give it to the planner that needs it the most. And and we've had, honestly, just millions and millions of resources, dollars, you know, channeled to planters uh, because of that type of synergy. And so yeah, the, the biggest challenge is just helping them understand the need. But people don't understand often that in, in Mississippi, it's the most churched, state in all of North America, there's one Southern Baptist church for every 1,400 people. Wow. And and what we would say is we want every state to be that way, yeah. you know, as far as uh, that saturated uh, or that enriched with that many churches where you, you go to New York and you have one 
one for every 60,000 or in, in Canada, one for every 115,000. So, um, you know, we're, we, we just have so far to go in these cities because it's, it's harder in the cities. It's more expensive in the cities. Mm-hmm. And so we just stayed away from the cities for so long, yep. but that's where the majority of the people are. Yeah. And, and what's amazing to me, I remember, you know, in, in connection with what you're saying about, um, the, you know, trying to get more established churches to become sending or supporting churches, you know, that really you got to go up the food chain. And that's, you guys are doing stuff on the ground for planners. I want to talk about that. But I remember you once saying that, you know, with these vision tours, you go, think of us as like the e-harmony of church planning. Right. We're matching up the, the, the sending, potential sending churches and giving them a vision for that city. So they adopt it and they see it as domestic mission. They're funding planners. Um, you know, they might, they might even send these guys on vacation. They might pay for that if they're a supporting church. They might, um, send the guy, you know, like resources, books, might send him a mission team in the summer. Um, sorry, man, I don't mean to like go off on all this stuff, but on the 32 send cities, um, what are some of the cool things that NAM is doing to help make it easy for planners? Sure. Well, one, we're, we're trying to build a sense of brotherhood in every one of the cities. And so that's why in the SIN network is really what we, we call, uh, we call it so they can, they can uh, have a sense of belonging, but uh, just a sense of brotherhood. We found that there were planners that were in the same city for three to three, four, five years and didn't know that many other planners. And so, and their spouses were not being taken care of. And so we have a whole spouse support network. Um, and uh, we were able to come along and, and take care of them uh, personally with uh, some of the unique expenses they might have. I mean, we've done everything from, you know, help, help pay for a, an emergency surgery or fly somebody home to a funeral. Or if we know of a need, then we meet we meet the need. Our biggest challenge is, is making sure we just know of the need. Hmm. And that's why we have a missionary in each of those sin cities. His job is uh, to recruit planters, to take care of planters, and take care of partners. And we are really eHarmony Go Church Planning, where we try to connect partners with planters and planners with partners. And 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 some of the exciting things that are happening there is we're really developing a family. You take Boston, for instance, it's, it's one of the better ones as far as a synergy and camaraderie that they have amongst the planters. It doesn't happen overnight, but we, we pay for you know, at least three or four events a year quarterly where they can get together and sometimes just the wives or sometimes the husbands and the wives, sometimes all the family, we may send them all to a ball game or send the ladies to a, you know, to a play or it it just varies depending on what they prefer and what they they want. What we've tried to do is not come up with a list of things we're going to do and, and, and invite them to it. We really try to find out what it is they want to do and help fund it. Mm. And, and so it's really worked better, you know, for the, to come, the strategy to come from, uh, the field than to come from Alpharetta. Yeah. And I mean, just this week I had an opportunity to go into one of the, uh, one of the houses, um, yeah. that was being bought in San Diego that is kind of like, Hey, if you're going to come and plant in San Diego, here's a house church planner for you to come live in for a year. On top of that, you know, um, there's assessment, there's training through multiply, uh, there's, uh, you know, the, I mean, it's just, it's amazing what you guys do. I'll never well, forget getting my first letter from Nam 
after, you know, I, I think most of us that have been in the church planting world, um, for me, uh, pre-NAM, I can remember planting and, and kind of how you said in the South that everybody tends to look at the church planner as almost kind of like the enemy, like, hey, you're going to take people from me or, you know, what are you doing in this neighborhood? It's kind of like Batman. Gotham belongs to me. Get out. And, you know, basically you're, you're not seen as a superhero. You're kind of seen as the, the super villain. And uh, I can remember people know uh, when we planted in Long Beach, we're in the inner city and we had a, a group of guys that were getting trained up. And <laughs> one of my guys goes, hey, Peyton, because he was going to plant out. He goes, hey, there's this group of people. They're, uh, they're the Southern Baptists. He goes, they'll actually fund me to church plant. And, uh, and, and I said, no kidding, huh? And he said, yeah, he goes, they, uh, they'll come alongside. He goes, you got to meet these guys. They're really cool. He goes, they actually have a role called a catalyst. And at that time, that was kind of what I was doing, you know, in our, in our local area. And right. he goes, they actually have like a position for that. And we, we kind of thought that had died out, you know, during the, the, the first century or maybe Wesley had picked it up a little bit, <laughs> but you know, right. um, tell us a little bit about, you know, how you, how you catalyze, uh, church planting. I mean, that's, I've just listed off a bunch of things, but I mean, how do you keep the forward momentum going right now? Yeah. Well, the key is to develop enough multiplying churches. The churches have a passion. So you can find indigenous churches where they are, but, and that's why, like you mentioned, the homes we're buying a, a minimum of 128, probably 150 homes all over North America. Ideally about four in each of the cities so that we can provide residencies. And actually, a planner can go there and live up to two years, depending on the residency. And uh, and so we find the very best planners uh, and establish a residency there. And then they hopefully not only would draw um, high capacity planners, but but can help us uh, assess and train those planners. And then in that, uh, they're building to the synergy in that particular city. So, you know, our key right now is just trying to find multiplying churches that can multiply and invest in these uh, planners. And, and, and we're trying to, obviously we're spending millions of dollars buying homes all over North America because we, once you buy that home, I mean, that's a, that's a resource that can be used for decades hmm. with uh, multiple, multiple missionaries running through there uh, that can make a huge kingdom impact. And then hopefully also at the same time, doesn't lose the value. You know, it's yeah. um, we're, uh, we're blessed with the resource that, regardless of what funding we have, those will always be there because we, we, we go in there and pay cash for them. So it's, it's uh, an incredible resource that there's just no reason at all for Southern Baptists not to lead the way in church planning. We've got the resources to be the best church planning network in North America. And we, we don't intend to stop until we are. And that's not a sense of pride. Just, I just think, man, God's blessed us with the resources we have a responsibility to be a good steward and to be the very best at this. There's just no reason we should have you know, been so lackluster about this. We, we did have a passion for church planning. You're right in the history. But then we went through a lull where we got so impressed with ourselves. We just started looking at what we did and didn't keep that up. And therefore, we lost pace with the population. Mm. And that's why we're so far behind now and trying to catch up. And what I didn't realize at the time is Southern Baptist, most ethnically diverse denomination in America right now. Sure. 
Well, uh, I mean, we have on our staff here at NAM, we have a mobilizer, a Chinese mobilizer, a Korean mobilizer. Um, we have Hispanic mobilizer. We've got you, you ask any really any ethnic group we have covered. We have we even have a a, a deaf mobilizer for deaf churches. We have uh, for um, Native Americans, and some of those some of those are part time because of the, the demand. But all of the major ethnic groups are we have full time people for those. Um, over fifty five percent of the churches we planned last year were ethnic church plants, and. Um, again, our biggest challenge is trying to get churches to be sending churches. We want every plant, every church we plant to have a mother church, if you will, send what we call a sending church. And they have a sending church that, that really holds the authority or the, um, they're giving birth to that church. But then there's supporting churches where they may have several supporting churches, but one primary sending church that they're accountable to. And that's been our challenge is getting churches to come alongside and, and, and do that and, and really get more of the ethnic churches. We have a lot of Anglo churches that will plant ethnic churches, but we want ethnic churches also to plant ethnic churches. And they're really coming around and getting a, a greater heart to do that. And that's what's, yeah. that's what's very exciting. And, and as far as, uh, you know, our pool of uh, high capacity leaders, we just want to try to find the very best people we can to get this done. We're out reaching people. It's not about the SBC, although we only plan SBC churches because SBC, that's where we get our funding. We, right. you know, we made a commitment to our people to do that. But yeah, yeah. we're about reaching people. I, I, I really am confident that we can break over a period of time. And I'm thankful that, you know, David uh, Platt is at IMB. I think that helps in an incredible way. Um, with his platform, and then we're excited about what God's doing through church planning in North America. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of people don't realize it. Guys like uh, Rick Warren, Matt Chandler, David Platt—they don't realize how many people are actually Southern Baptists. You know, it's a it's mm-hmm. a huge denomination. I read a statistic this week that over half of the church plants that are being planted by North American Mission Board are in fact ethnic church plants. So that was, that was pretty powerful to read that. And I think that, um, there's such an emphasis, not only on, you know, kind of the, the, you know, the, the world at our doorstep, but, um, like you said, you, you plant the, um, you know, you plant SBC churches and yet, you know, you've been really good about reaching across to other denominations. Like, for example, the multiply, when the multiply training was introduced, there was also, you know, there's slots in that for people out of other denominations. Like you said, to get the, the, the borders of the kingdom spread out. Like we'll work with right. other denominations to get this job done. Um, tell us, tell us a little bit more about your kingdom minded heart. Sure. It, it, it's real simple. One, one, we wanted to, to finally get to a place where people wanted to hear what we had to say. Uh, <laughs> we wanted our assessments to be the very best and and and, and most challenging, uh, and we really believe that 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 they are. They are. Yeah. And then when it comes to things like multiply and the training, we, man, my word, we, we want to be kingdom minded, and we have designated certain spots so that that others from other denominations can come and benefit from that training. Now, the difference is they come and benefit from the training, um, but we, when we go to fund church plants, we're only funding Southern Baptist church plants, but there's no reason we shouldn't share our assessments, our training, 
and and everything possible. We're really in this to, together. We have some differences theologically here or there, but but uh, man, we we I think we benefited greatly by having a, a diverse group in the room. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Kevin, um, before, before we let you go, we're going to, Pete's going to ask you a question in a second, but, um, what are some of the coolest things on the ground with the church plants that you're hearing about? Um, what are just some of the stories that you're like, man, that is just amazing. You know, that fires me up. This is why I do what I do. Yeah. Well, um, I mentioned one a moment ago up in, uh, in Maine, Augusta, Maine. There's 1.4 million people in Augusta, Maine. There's only about 20. SBC churches there. And, and in the capital, Augusta, there's a guy named Dan Coleman. And Dan started church, basically he started something that looked like a two-car garage. And he could get about 70 people in it. And then he went to two services and got up to about 120. He went to three services and got up to close to 200. And, and uh, had nowhere where, where else to go. And within three services and and but there was a Catholic church that, that went belly up there in Augusta, and they wanted 1.8 million for it. Um, he told us uh, about that. We went in. We have a whole finance department here. We do church loans for church planners, and have a pretty large portfolio to to be able to to do that. We went in, offered them 400 thousand for that church. It seats about 500, 450, 500, and uh, purchased it. Gave a loan to um, Dan and his church. Uh, so that, that they could afford for the 400,000. They moved in it. Now, a year later, uh, they went from 200. Now, a year later, they're running 800 and had two services in that Catholic church. Of course, we had to take out the statues and all that type of thing. But it's just <laughs> exciting to see, exciting to see how God takes, uh, guys and, and we're able to come alongside. And again, uh, the, the, he would have gotten there perhaps. But how many years it would have taken a church planner with primarily new believers, 200 new believers to to be able to afford, you know, that. And we were able to give them a zero percent loan, get him in there. And then what we do is we get them in there and they're now up to a point where they can go and get a commercial loan, give us our money back and we can go help a church planner who can't get a loan. That's why That's we awesome. bridge the gap there. Wow. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Hey, uh, Kevin, what did they do with the statues? Can me and Pete have one? <laughs> yeah. I gave them all to Matt Chandler, you know. So. <laughs> yes. No, no, it's a, uh, uh, it, it really was pretty funny. We had to kind of, they, they said we had to namatize it, you know, so, uh, but I'm not sure what they did with those. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, uh, so I'm going to, I'm debating asking you to tell that joke, but uh, Pete, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hand it over to you, brother. All right. We have, uh, we have a final question, Kevin, that, uh, Quite frankly, a good 95% of our listeners, they only listen because they want to hear this one question and the answer to it. So here's the question for you. If you were to get into a physical fist fight with David Platt, who would win? Oh, man. I would absolutely win. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it. Because he, he would never throw a punch. I mean, there, there's no—he's just that nice of a guy. That's why it's—it's it's so hard when we uh, 
when we pick at each other uh, <laughs> platforms sometimes, he, he'll think of things, but he feels so guilty about saying it, he doesn't say it. <laughs> and I said, man, you just got to let it go. You can't be so kind. You just got to just, just say it, you know? Yeah, man, because uh, you're, you're out there slinging zingers, and he's, he's, he's smart. I mean, he is smart. I think oh, he's, he's brilliant. Oh, he's so much. Oh, heavens. Yeah, he's really smart. But, you know, I'm real proud of him. He's gotten a couple of writers together, and he's got some people providing some material for him now, and he's doing Beth's <laughs> jokes. <laughs> That's awesome. So, hey, you know, I, I knew you were going to lay the smack down. I'm like, Kevin's totally going to lay it down. So, uh <laughs> Yeah, Kevin, you just, you know what, that's normally our last question, but you got to tell this joke, man. It's a good joke. What? What's that about the... Uh, the Billy Graham. You got to tell Billy the Graham. Billy Graham. Oh. Yeah, you got to tell it. No, I, 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 I'm hoping I remember all of it. It, was <laughs> it, was, it, it happened uh, um, back years ago when, when uh, Billy and Ruth had just moved up in the mountains and she, she needed something from the store. And so um, they went, uh, he went down to... Uh, um, to get some stuff from the store. And when he did, uh, he was robbed. And the guy said, uh, I want, I want all of your money. Give me all your money. And so he took out his wallet and gave it to him. And, and, uh, the, the, the robber looked at the billfold and saw his ID and said, Billy Graham. And he went, Billy Graham, Billy, Billy Graham. Are, are you, are you the real Billy Graham? And he says, well, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I am. And he said, well, well, my word, I am so sorry. Here's your wallet back. We Baptists got to stick together. And, um, <laughs> so, anyway, that's a bad job of telling it. But uh, no, you did it, fine, it, man. And Pete, Pete, many people don't know this. We say it like it's a curse, but he is the son of a Baptist minister. Hey, that's a, there's a song about that, isn't it? Son of a preacher man. <laughs> it's gotta be. It's gotta be. Indeed. I, I've eaten, I go. I can't believe you made me a Baptist again. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I cannot believe you made me a Baptist again. I never thought that happened. Yep, yep. There, there were, there were worse things. Next thing we're working on is making Pete into a Baptist minister. So you know, stay tuned. <laughs> so hey, hey, remember, if you're if you ever asked, it's Second Corinthians, not Two Corinthians. Just remember. That. <laughs> I will remember that. Yes. <laughs> Well, hey, our guest today has been Kevin Azell. If you want to catch up with what NAM is doing, North American Mission Board, and check out all this stuff. Man, there was stuff today I didn't even know that NAM was doing. That uh, you know, the the stuff with the loans and what have you. Check it out at NAM.net and you know, kind of see some of the some of the stuff that we just touched on. And uh if you're looking to get involved with church planning and you are thinking, man, I really could use um, just, you know, maybe that network, maybe uh, some of the other stuff they talked about, nam.net. And uh, Kevin, thanks for coming on, man. It's been great having you. Hey, listen, it's a, been a privilege, man, really privilege. I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, Arnold, sign us out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planting. Hardcore Church Planning has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.